God is good. And all the time. Good to see each and every one of you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Tuesday afternoon Bible study. My name is Michael Beneshek. I'm one of your warm heart pastors. It's good to see you. If you're joining us online, welcome to all of you as well. Let's pray. God above, it is a beautiful day outside, and we just give thanks for the gift of life, for new babies that come in, for grandkids, for great-grandkids, uh, just to see the, uh, the kids, whether it's in worship or whether it's just at the park outdoors, that we know that you make all things new. So, uh, Lord, we just pray for the folk in this room today, that uh, even though sometimes we may feel tired, we may feel down, we may feel sick, we may feel lonely that we know that life keeps going. And we just got to keep opening up our doors, open up the doors of our house to get out, open up the doors of our hearts to feel love, and open up our doors of, of community so that we might let other people in. It's in your son's name we have this prayer. Amen. Friends, we have two more chapters of John before we sneak, I think, over to 1 Corinthians. It's been five years, I think, since we did 1 Corinthians. So uh, we'll, we'll jump to that here in a few weeks. But uh, we're going to finish up John. We are, we're, we're at the climax of the story. He was put on the cross last week, and he was left there and, put, and then put into a tomb, and that's where the story could have ended. But we still have two more chapters, so let's see, let's see where it goes. Uh, let's do chapter 20, verses 1 through, one through 10. We'll kick out that, uh, that section. The Empty Tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. First day of the week. Uh, and what day is that? That is a Sunday. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, or in the Gospel of John, maybe Thursday. Uh, after his entombment, the tomb was sealed, guarded by Roman soldiers. Uh, the tomb stayed sealed and guarded until discovered on the first day of the week. And uh, John doesn't say anything about the soldiers, but uh, uh, Matthew did, I believe. Uh, and here we are, first day of the week, early while it is still dark. We know this is Easter Sunday. Uh, did, has anyone ever gone to a sunrise service? Uh, we used to do a sunrise service uh, when I did youth ministry um, uh, Sunday morning, uh, early, early. Uh, and we, we always had the same time for sunrise service. Even It didn't matter when the sun came up. And uh, yeah, the, the, the Sundays that it hit daylight savings time was a, uh, felt early. Uh, but here they are. Uh, she is just here before, before the sun comes up. She, uh, 
He was gone. Um, and he uh, and she ran to tell, tell Simon Peter. The other Gospels explain that she was not the only woman to come to the tomb that morning. At least three other women accompanied her in other Gospels. But Mary was the one who ran back and told the disciples about the empty tomb. So maybe that's why John only mentions her. Uh, this is the Mary that Jesus cast out demons. Uh, her troubled past did not qualify her from being the first witness of the resurrected Jesus and his first commissioned messenger of the resurrection. Uh, the women came to finish the work of uh, Joseph and Nicodemus. If you remember, they came to uh, prepare the body and they brought 75 pounds of spices. They could not get it done before the Sabbath. And, uh, and so the ladies came to finish up, up that work. Uh, Mary's first reaction was to think that the body was stolen. She was not thinking resurrection at all. Peter, let's see. Peter and the other disciple, if you had to guess who the other disciple is. John. Uh, Gospel of John, any times it talks about an, a, an unnamed disciple, typically it's, it's him writing about himself in here. So Peter and John heard the news from Mary and went for the tomb. Peter, he's old. He's like in his 30s, maybe 40s. John is in his 20s. Guess who's going to get there first? John. Uh, but then he's got to wait for the elder. Like <laughs> You could beat him all you want, but Peter's going to be the one to walk in first. Uh, John was humble enough to avoid uh, the mention of his own name. But he was competitive enough to, to, to mention that he outran Peter to the tomb, as if it matters in the story. Uh, so a, a, a typical rich person's tomb at the time would be large enough to walk into, a place to lay out the body, and a place uh, to sit so you could look at the body. Um, depending on how big this was, it might have been only big enough for one other person to come inside. We, we don't know. It was a, it was a borrowed tomb. Um, but Simon Peter came, and he went into the tomb. And whatever kept John from going in didn't stop Peter. Saw the linen cloths lying there. The, he went into a lot of detail, didn't he, about how the clothes were... Uh, we're, we're laid about uh, in, in my own pastoral way of thinking. I'm like, well, who cares? Uh, they're clothes. But there's a reason that he puts it in there. And so uh, did some studying. And, and uh, the clothes were still orderly and neat. It looked as if the body had just evaporated out of the burial wrappings without disturbing their place. You would imagine if Jesus got up and took them all off, they would be in, yeah, they'd be, did you ever have kids take clothes off at night? Clothes all over the place? Yeah, can you imagine? And Jesus taking off his linens. Uh, it's, it's kind of almost like a plaster, almost mummified in with the linens there. But, but the way it is, it's described here, it is neat, it is orderly, it's, it, it still has the shape, it's, there's, just, there's just no body. That somehow Jesus is just gone, if that makes sense. It doesn't look like it's, yeah, they got ripped off, they're torn apart, they're, they're, they're still there. Uh, the mixture of ointments and aloes and spices, it would have made a hard casing kind of thing, or a cocoon. Uh, to open them up, tearing and cutting, none of that happened here. So what it shows is even if someone did try to steal the body, it would have been ripped. It would have been torn. It would have been. It would have been. It would have been messy. Something supernatural happened. 
this is where we get uh, the Shroud of Turin. Anyone ever hear of the Shroud of Turin? Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, guess what town it's in? Turin, you guys are good. Uh, they say it, has, it was the one uh, that, that had Jesus' uh, body wrapped in it. Uh, I have seen, I've seen some TV shows that say, yes, this, this for sure is it. And I've seen others that say, this thing has only been around 800 years. Uh, and it's discolored in such a way that I, I try not to put stock into that kind of stuff. Uh, if it is, great. If it's not, great. My faith in Christ doesn't change. Um, at that time, so many churches said they had the bones of St. Peter, or they had the, 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 the knuckle of Paul, or they had the toe of Bartholomew. And um, I just try to stay away from that kind of stuff uh, as a pastor. The important thing is that the resurrection happened. Generally, the first Christians did not believe in the resurrection only because the tomb was empty, but because they saw and met the resurrected Jesus. But John... And granted, John's the one writing this. John says from the moment he saw the empty tomb, he believed. Every, Peter didn't know what to do with this. Uh, matter of fact, it says Peter and John went back to, their, to, their, uh, to the place where they were staying. My, another Bible says to their houses that uh, they, they, they left. Um, uh, back to their own house. And it says, uh, at that time, they did not understand the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Here's the rub. Nowhere in scripture in the Old Testament does it say, the Messiah will die and will rise three days later. Doesn't specifically say that. And so, uh, if you're looking for it, looking for those, for those words, you won't find them, but you can find metaphors throughout the Old Testament. They shall pierce, in, in the Psalms, they shall pierce him, and uh, they won't break a bone of his body. Well, that could be Jesus. Jonah, uh, some uh, commentators go back to Jonah as, as, a, as a metaphor for Jesus. You might remember Jonah was swallowed in the belly of a whale. Great fish. Uh, how long was he in there? Three days. And the three days later, he was vomited out. Uh, nowhere else will you see the word vomit, uh, except in Jonah. Uh, but some people say, you know, that's, that's Jesus. Three days, he, he, he descended into hell and brought back every, all, all the faithful from before, and three days later, uh, he, he comes back out. That's where we get the three days from, nowhere else in the Old Testament that I can find or remember that said three days later. But if you look at the Old Testament through the eyes of Jesus' life and what's going on, then you can start seeing some of those metaphors, some of those... Uh, some of those themes pop out. Um, Jesus said of himself, I um, tear down this house and... And I will bring it back in three days. Bring back in three days. Yeah. Rebuild it. And they say, how can you do that? And he was referring to his death, I believe. Yep, but at that time they didn't have that written down anywhere. That, that wasn't part of scriptures because it was uh, that's that's New Testament. But yeah, he did refer to that. It struck me today, Pastor Mike, that the other disciples did not ostracize Peter for um, his denial of Jesus if he was with them. 
was he kind of the disciples' leader too, or? We'll find that out in in uh, John chapter twenty one uh, when Peter gets reinstated. Ah, uh, okay. How about that? Okay, thank you. Peter is always in the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Um, the women, the women actually in, also had a, an important leadership component in in Jesus's ministry. That kind of disappeared uh, uh, a generation later when when the men took over, as you will. Uh, but yeah, Peter. Peter's the rock. And on this church, he will he will build this church. All right, we got to jump ahead. Let's do the next section, verses eleven, because Mary's still there. John and Peter showed up, and then they took off and left Mary standing there. Uh, eleven through eighteen. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Peter and John examined the evidence of the empty tomb. John was persuaded that Jesus rose from the dead, but he didn't quite get the meaning of it all yet. Mary did not yet have that confidence that Jesus was erected, and, and so she wept. And so as she wept, she's by herself now. She, uh, she, she looks inside the tomb. Uh, Mary wanted to see what Peter and John saw, so she made her own examination. And yet, in the moment between the disciples being there and, and Mary taking a look, something changed. What changed? Angels. Angels appear. Or maybe the angels were there before. I don't know. And Peter and John couldn't see them. I, I don't know how angels work. But she saw two angels in white sitting. Uh, Mary didn't notice the burial wrappings and their curious arrangement, but she did see the angels and she didn't react with shock or fear. She probably didn't know what to think at that moment, uh, except to ask, um, well, one, one was at the head, one was at the feet. And as I think about it, so one's at the head, one's at the feet, and in the middle is, would be the, where Jesus was, right? 
Does that sound familiar to anyone? About an angel on one side, an angel over here, and Ark of the Covenant. There you go. Uh, the mercy seat. Uh, this kind of has those, those, those connotations uh, to it. Uh, she, she turned around, saw Jesus. Mary wondered and worried where Jesus was. He wasn't far away. Now, Mary certainly knew who Jesus was, and it is strange that she did not immediately recognize uh, this, this person standing here. Uh, some commentaries uh, I've read said that she was probably emotionally distressed and tears were in her eyes. And others speculate Jesus could have looked somewhat different, uh, retaining at least some of the marks of his suffering. Uh, but she did not expect him to be there and was wholly preoccupied with other thoughts. Uh, Jesus didn't say, Mary, it's me. But, but he asked her a question, why, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Uh, he wasn't trying to place a trick on her, but just trying to break through her unbelief. Um, and she says, where, where have you laid him? I will take him away. I'm trying to figure out how Mary is going to go get Jesus and bring him back. Uh, probably with a little bit of help. But her, her words reveal her devotion. She never paused to consider how she was going to carry the corpse of a full-grown man or uh, how she would explain her possession of it. And Jesus just shared with her, Mary. All he had to do was say one word, and all was explained. She heard in the name and tone of, her, of, of, the, of, of the voice of her beloved Messiah and instantly called him Rabboni, teacher. Do not cling to me. We don't know why this is there. couple different conversations. She was hugging him like... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like I, I, I live 1,700 miles away from, from, from my mom and my grandma's. When we go back, criminally, let just one hug. I'll, I'll even take a side hug, but no, it's a hug. And then, uh, yeah, it's, you know, just, a, you know, again, I'm 49 years old. They still have to wipe my face. Don't know why. Uh, so it's possible Jesus is like, I need, I appreciate the love, but I, um, this, this is not a hug fest. This is a, I, I got to go to the disciples. Or was there something spiritual about him where she could not physically touch him? Or where he had the, 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 the stench of Hades on him somehow? Uh, we, it, it doesn't say. Uh, but the, there's, there's certainly room to speculate. It also shows that the, resurrection, uh, the resurrected body of Jesus was somewhat different, yet somewhat similar. Definitely real and tangible. It was not a fathom. What did he say? He says, I have to go back to my... He's got to go back to my father, but there was another one in there. My God, my God... Nope, I must be thinking of something else. Somewhere I thought he said he had to go back to his brothers. Oh, yeah, go instead. Go instead to my brothers. First time that Jesus ever called his disciples brothers. It's always been servants. It's always been disciples. But now it's brothers. There's a family kind of relation. 
some some religious traditions they call each other. This is uh, Sister Catherine, Brother James, uh, you know, that kind of language. Uh, we don't really do that a whole lot here in the Methodist Church. Uh, not that we're against it, it's just not you know, part of our tradition. But uh, this is the first time that Jesus calls his disciples family. This is the first time that he also talks about his ascension. I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God, and your God. And I got a feeling that she thinks he's ascending right, right away, so I got to go tell the disciples before Jesus leaves again. Uh, but he's going to stick around for a while, uh, for a few weeks anyway. I kind of noticed that in uh, verse 15, when he asks her, woman, why are you crying? That statement there comes out more like nonchalant, uh, kind of a statement, woman, why are you crying? You know, it's not like uh, he's identifying with her in any kind of relationship. But later down in verse 16, he calls her by name when she never even gave her name. Yeah. So he just immediately calls her out by name. And I think that, it, that in verse 16, he's more like, Mary, you know, it's me. You know, so how do you but know in my name? Fifteen, yeah. it's real mellow. It's really kind of like Mary or uh, woman. Why are you, are you crying? You know. All right, let's get to the disciples. Nineteen to twenty-three. Jesus appears to his disciples on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jew Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Same day. So we're still on Sunday. This took place on the same day that the tomb was found empty and Mary met the resurrected Jesus. We are, we're told of five appearances of Jesus on Resurrection Day. To Mary Magdalene, uh, to the other women, Matthew has has a, uh, a paragraph on that, uh, to Peter, Luke and 1 Corinthians share that, to uh, the disciples here, and then there's, a, there's one more, not even in Jerusalem, but Jesus shows himself to two people, and where are they going? Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, where the disciples were assembled. It was good the disciples stayed together. Jesus told them that when he departed, they must love each other. And maybe this was one of their ways of caring for each other in these, in these turbulent times. The door is locked. Uh, they, they just killed their master, and they're scared that they might be next. But it's, uh, the, the, the way the Greek says, the door is secured, it's locked from unwelcome entry. But somehow, somehow someone gets in. And who gets in? Christ. The strange and miraculous appearance of Christ apparently was to demonstrate that resurrected bodies are not exactly subject to the same limitations as our present bodies. Christ is going to do what Christ is going to do. 
uh, since he will be raised in the same manner, since we will be raised in the same manner as Jesus, uh, according to Romans anyway, this gives us some hint of the nature of our future body in the resurrection. Uh, Jesus might have gone anywhere and done anything after his resurrection, but where did he go? Went to be back with his people. He sought out his, 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 his brothers. And the very first thing he tells them, peace be with you. If you're Peter, and uh, all of a sudden the guy you denied and left for dead shows up, I'd be a little worried. I'd be looking, I'd be, yeah, the door that's locked, I lock myself in. Uh, this, this guy's going to kill me. Uh, but Jesus' words are those of comfort those of peace. Peace, I leave with you. After the desertion of, Je of Jesus on the day of, of his crucifixion, the disciples probably expected more rebuke, more blame. And Jesus brought a word of reconciliation. No fear. All is well. And he serves serves his disciples. He showed them his hands and his side. He assured them that he was actually the Jesus of Nazareth and that he was really raised from the dead. Uh, he did this more uh, to more than just the ten disciples. The Gospel of Luke mentions this gathering as including not only the disciples, but uh, also those who were with them gathered together, a larger group. And that Jesus invited them to actually touch his body to see if, if he was real. As the Father sent me, I send you. He gives them a mission to continue his, his work on earth. Uh, this was the commission to do that Jesus had already prayed in a couple chapters back in chapter 17. Uh, missionaries. Go be a missionary. Uh, M-I-S-S. -S. Uh, it's both Greek and Latin. Uh, we get the word missile from there. Missile. To send... To send some, missile sounds more violent, but uh, to, missile means to go. Uh, go be a missionary. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. In another section of the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, which comes right after the Gospels, we hear that the, the Holy Spirit came on what day? Pentecost. If all you had was John, though, and you didn't have the book of Acts, you would believe that the Holy Spirit came right here. Which one's right? I don't know. Uh, certainly the day of Pentecost certainly has, has, has a lot more story with the, uh, uh, the tongues of fire and the, and, and the wind and all that. Um, John wrote, you know, this gospel uh, 40, 50 years after, uh, after Luke did his. And, uh, you know, stories can get a little, a little wonky. Uh, but Jesus certainly gave uh, gave a premonition of the Spirit coming. If it, if if not here, then at then at Pentecost. Right. Now the whole the whole if you forgive if you forgive it's like I forgave, and if you don't forgive, you don't forgive. If you were the preacher, what would you do with that? Oh my, yeah. You'd have a lot of power? It would be a lot of power. 
I don't think I have this power. This is this power is not given to the priests uh, or to ministers today, but it was given to the to the disciples. I don't have that power to forgive. I announce that forgiveness has happened. Um, when people come and they confess for whatever reason, Pastor, I need I need help. Uh, I, this is weighing on me, and, I, and, and if I say somewhere in there you were forgiven, I don't have that power to do that. But what I do say somewhere in there is the fact that uh, once you confess, forgiveness comes. It's not because I did it. I just share what happened. Does that make sense? When people get married, I don't marry them. They marry each other, and I'm the first to announce by the power vested in me, I announce to you that they are. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I'm the one who gets to say that it happened. Does that make sense? Okay. In the Catholic Church, the priest, if I understand that correctly, they do, under confession, have that ability or power? They, they have that role to share, to share that you are forgiven. The priest doesn't the power doesn't come from the priest, uh, but the power comes from God that the priest acknowledges. Oh. That could get a little confusing with the parishioners, I assume. It can. Well, why do I need to go to the... Why can't I just do it myself? It's like, but, but the priest is there on, on acting on behalf of... But does The priest doesn't have the power. The priest just acknowledges that it happened, if, if I understand it correctly. I have no idea I, how they interpret that, but it's interesting. Yeah. With, are you are you going to read or have a question? I'm going to read. Okay, we're going to let's finish it up. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "We have seen the Lord," but he said to them. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, yet you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can you imagine being, uh, you're not there, and then all of a sudden your absence is noted in a book that's been around for 2,000 years. <laughs> And preached on and preached on and preached on. Uh, we don't know where Thomas is, uh, why he was not with them. Uh, but he was also not criticized for his absence either. Uh, he was not criticized, but he still missed out. There was a blessing for those present that Thomas did not receive. Uh, and we call Thomas doubting Thomas. Now, if you read in other parts of, of the gospel, Thomas is brave. Thomas has, is, 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 is sure-footed, and, and, and he will follow Christ anywhere that Christ wants to go. But he's remembered for this one, this one story. 
The unbelief was strong, but it was also honestly spoken. He didn't pretend to believe. He actually just shared what was, what was on his mind. There's no mention. Uh, what, what, uh, what wounds did Jesus have in this one? He had uh, wounds on his hands and side. Where does it say feet? Doesn't say feet, does it? Uh, some some folk have wondered if he had uh, if Jesus had nails through his feet or if they were tied together, which was another common Roman Roman practice. Um, uh, Luke does. There's an inference in Luke that does uh, say they might have been nailed, but uh, here here Thomas doesn't bring it up. Um, it says a week later. Some some uh, Bibles say eight days later, which would be Monday. This says a week later, which infers Sunday. Uh, again, yeah. Uh, or maybe they counted the day that they were on. Uh, my kids count days weird. Uh, if, if something is, is, is like three days from now, they'll say, uh, you know, it's four days away because they count today. Like, you don't count today, you count today. So my guess is this is actually on Sunday, even though some Bibles say say eight days, uh, but they were meeting together on Sundays. So Jewish tradition, Sabbath is on Saturdays. Or when the sun goes down Friday to when the sun goes down, mm, they didn't have the idea of midnight kind of thing yet. Uh, it was just sunrise to sundown. Uh, so they would have the Sabbath, and when, uh, when Jesus was resurrected, the disciples started meeting on Sunday, on the first day of the week. Uh, so they... They would have their Sabbath, and then they would have their Sunday, and they would do both. And they would, this would continue for a couple of generations until the break uh, when, when Gentiles and Jews kind of separated out. And to be a Christian, you no longer had to be a, a Jewish person. You could just be a Christian. And then they, that was the break of Sabbath. So for us, we, we call Sabbath or the, or the Holy Day uh, Sunday. Some churches would totally disagree with that, that Sabbath has to be on a Saturday. Uh, we, 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 tr we trust that God uh, forgives and, 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 and allows us to have uh, our Sabbath be a Sunday, the day that Jesus was uh, raised from the dead. So every Sunday is a little tiny Easter, and then once a year we have one big Easter, the actual Easter. Does that make sense? Okay. There you go. Did, now, when did Thomas, uh, you know, he gave the others uh, powers at the first meeting, and then Thomas came later. So did uh, Thomas ever get the spirit? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Ooh. Thomas had, uh, I know Thomas had an interesting life. I'm trying to remember where he went. I think he went to India. I think that's where Thomas went. Uh, India, and he was uh, uh, speared through in the end. Uh, almost all the disciples had a horrible ending, except for John lying on his bed, like, uh, wondering why he's dying <laughs> of nothing. Uh, just old age. But the other disciples had bad endings. Uh, Thomas, we're sure, got the spirit here, Pentecost. But it's, it's a good question. I could <laughs> The disciples, we got the spirit until oh, the one day, the one day I don't show up. 
Every now and then I get that on Sunday mornings because uh, uh, someone will uh, uh, come in on a Sunday like they missed a Sunday. And they said, you sang my favorite hymn last week when I wasn't here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this question goes into multiple translations. Um, in uh, the NIV, uh, it, call, it says, uh, in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, why is he called Didymus or known as Didymus? In 50% uh, of the translations, it says the twin. And I'm wondering why the twin? Who Was he a twin brother of somebody and who was that other twin? And where does the word Didymus come or name Didymus come into play? Yeah, uh, we see the first time that Thomas is, is every time Thomas is mentioned, uh, chapter 15, I know, uh, it, it says it. it. Yeah, it always says, Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, which, which translated means twin uh, in, in Greek, I believe. Uh, the, Greek, uh, the twin word for twin, uh, the Greek word for twin is Didymus. We don't know if he was a twin to someone else. And some people say that he looked a whole lot like Jesus, and so that was their kind of pet name for him. It's also a possibility. We had we had uh, two kids in my school that looked a whole lot alike, different families in there. They were known as Tweedledee, Tweedledee and Tweedle. Yeah, uh, they didn't appreciate that a whole lot, but they looked a lot alike, like they came from the same family. Um, chances are it was someone else. But some commentaries have said that he looked a whole lot like Christ, which is another reason why Jesus had to identify him with a smooch, because there's a couple people that look a little, mm, that looked like him. But you also have to wonder why? Why was this important? Why put it in there? Even if that was the case that they called he had a pet name, or why what, that he was a twin? What, what what was why was it special enough to put it in Scripture? I don't know. But it was important for John enough for us to know. Yeah. Maybe it mattered to the people of their day for some reason. And the whole reason why John wrote this, uh, wrote his gospel, he puts right, right at the end of this chapter. This is, this, I got this highlighted in my Bible. This is the one reason why he wrote this whole Gospel of John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John was a book of signs. Um, uh, turning turning water, water into wine, the healings of, of, of the nobleman's son, the uh, the healing at the pool of Bethsaida, feeding of the five thousand, the walking on the water. It, if you read John, you'll find the word signs all the time. This, this is one of the one of the signs. John had seven of them: uh, healing of the one born blind, Lazarus raising from the dead, uh, and the greatest sign now is the death and resurrection of Christ. Collectively, these signs give strong foundations in the faith of Jesus is the Messiah. That faith is not a blind leap. There is evidence in, in the story.
just one little asterisk, that you may have life in his name. Through his name does not mean through the naming of his name, just because you say Jesus, but through the power of the person who bears the name. Um, We believe in Jesus. That he was born in the way that he was. (laughs) That he lives. I believe in God the Father Almighty the maker of heaven and of earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, or descended into hell first, depending on which Apostles' Creed you want to listen to. Ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand, of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Who are the quick? Those who are alive. Uh, Those who are dead, not so quick. (laughs) They don't move. Uh, Is Jesus coming back? I don't know. He hasn't come back yet. If he does, great. My faith is strong. If he doesn't come back at all, Great, my faith is still strong, and I live in Him. Either way, you're covered. Yes, Carol. Um, your question about Thomas. Um, to me, the last verse kind of answers that question. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And He is kind of the example for all of us today and every other day. There are days that I feel like Peter, and there are days that I feel like Thomas. Once or twice I've been Judas. And Jesus still comes to us and says, peace. The story of the atonement and the resurrection is really the high point of the gospel. It is where everything is hinged off of the whole gospel is hinged and tied to that. So this is really the high point, the, the time where we can really take solace in having a faith in Jesus Christ in the atonement and repentance to make us a better person that we are. So I am truly grateful for that. Without the, without the resurrection, to me the resurrection is... G- the resurrection is God's way of saying, this is my son. Everything he said is true. Christmas doesn't matter without Easter. All of Jesus' words didn't matter without Easter. But this is God's way of saying, this is the truth. All right, one more chapter to go, and then we'll jump into Corinthians. We will see you on Sunday or next week. But Go in peace.